Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in my closet recording far, far away from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. How's your quarantine going this week? Well, the grocery store that has been carrying the the cinnamon cereal that I've mentioned now multiple times, the only thing that's bringing me joy, has decided to stop carrying the (gasps) cinnamon cereal. So at this point, I welcome death. Tragique. Yeah, I'm going to go into that grocery store with a knife. No, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah, let me stop that thought before I get too far (laughs) into it. The point is, this is how life goes. You know, you think things are going great, and then suddenly they rip the rug out from under you and stop carrying it. I mean, I I was that person at the grocery store, like, taking multiple items off the shelves to dig to the back to see (laughs) if they had simply, like, put something in front of it. It was yeah, just tears streaming down your face, just absolutely (laughs) sobbing as you're going. My mask was sopping wet from (laughs) all of my boogery tears. And yeah, I did not find it. I probably also the grocery store that's a little bit farther away probably has it. But, you know, who has the time? Anyway, how about you? Oh, you know, remember how last week I was like really riding that high off of a great therapy session? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely need another therapy session. <laughs> That's how it goes. That's we how just... it goes. That's how I am. And I'll be getting one very soon. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. It's a strug. It is a strug. But we're here. We're doing it. Yeah, that's what this pot is for, to get our screaming out and then uh, spend the rest of the week trying not to um, bash our head against a wall repeatedly. <laughs> It's going great so far. Anyway, coming up on today's episode, we got Worst Things First, where I shout about the stupidest, most ridiculous worst news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into summer weather. That stormy summer weather, because summer has basically always sucked. But now that our entire social lives depend on being outside, I hate it even more. Didn't think it was possible, but I but I do. 
Then we've got journalist, podcast host, and dare I say, gay icon, Philip Picardi on the pod. Philip was the editor-in-chief at Out Magazine, the chief creative officer of Teen Vogue. He founded them. And now he's got a podcast with Crooked Media called Unholier Than Thou. Truly a media mogul. Also, a great name. Love and un pun in a podcast title just i mean i might be biased but i think it's pretty great <laughs> uh our our impact our inspiration <laughs> so let's get into it let's do it let's get out our fucking umbrellas and start the show all right worst things first let's talk about the worst news of the week first a Northern California woman who was asked to leave a Verizon store for not wearing a mask decided to protest by literally pissing her pants. <laughs> this is where we're at as a society. I just, I wanted to include one of these stories because there are, are, are about a hundred of them every single day of people absolutely losing their fucking minds over having to wear a piece of cloth on their face. I know mm -hmm. we did an entire deep dive about this, but Jesus. Also, doesn't that just inconvenience yourself and your pants more than <laughs> yeah. anyone around you? It literally affects nobody but you. That's also more <laughs> moisture in your clothing than breathing into a mask. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be something else going on here, but I just the 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 mental like gymnastics that you have to go through to justify not wearing a fucking piece of cloth on your face. I don't understand it. I'm also My impressed because as someone who has to pee all the time, <laughs> this is going to take a weird turn, but uh <laughs> like I, I had to go to the hospital a couple years ago and I had to pee in a bedpan and it took so much concentration and so like it took everything in my being to let it go and pee in public essentially um and this woman just immediately you know what i might call her a shiro yeah i i, I would absolutely agree with that i have envy over her ability to urinate in public and in front of other people if someone stands near me at a urinal it's taking about an hour for me to actually <laughs> let it go it's impossible. I haven't had to think about that because I have not been in a public bathroom in years. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's moments like this that really, really remind me of what I was missing. And that is peeing next to people in public. I just want her back. Next, an influx in acorns in New England has led to an infestation of chipmunks throughout <laughs> the region which are causing devastation to gardens and lawns guess what time to organize a band okay yes alvin alvin exactly you have too many chipmunks that's the only solution we're, we're putting together a boy band a chipmunk band if simon cowell can do it then so can we the career of those chipmunks is really astonishing like they they sell albums and people <laughs> yeah. listen to them. I sent you this one of my one of my post quarantine dreams is to get absolutely stoned out of my mind and listen to the entire <laughs> Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, movie soundtrack, which absolutely. is a real album that someone someone who dreamed of being a musician when they grew up went to vocal lessons, like maybe even went to like a music school. 
uh, grew up and then sang an entire album of cover songs as a chipmunk. <laughs> That's what happened in their life. <laughs> and, and I'm not judging. They're probably making bank off of it. I mean, like, <laughs> they have way more listens than this podcast does. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just... Who is listening to this? Are children, children. actually like, I want to hear, like... Yes. <laughs> I need an example. I remember my friend Eliana, her little brother, Benji. I remember that he loved Alvin and the Chipmunks for a small period of his childhood, which meant that every like it's always the youngest who gets to pick what we're listening to, because otherwise they'll complain the most about it. I say this as the youngest who got her way. So that forces everyone else to listen to it. And then after a certain amount of time, you start liking it. I can't imagine. I just can't. I don't. <laughs> A, a, a sampling of the track list from the Elvin and the Chipmunks movie. Um, oh, I think this was the sequel. Chipwrecked. <laughs> <laughs> um, party it. Rock and Bad Romance. Whip My Hair. <laughs> SOS. Uh, Born This Way. <laughs> what a time. What Club a time. Club Can't Handle Me. I can't. I can't imagine. Oh, maybe that was the threequel. Because then there was Elvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakquel. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who I hate more. The per- people who sing these songs or whoever named all of these movies. <laughs> the point is, um, if you have too many Chipmunks, there's really only one thing you can do. And that is put them together in some type of musical arrangement and hope for the best. And make bank. But according to an official with the uh, the main department of inland fisheries and wildlife, plentiful acorns last fall meant that there were still plenty of food on the ground when the chipmunks emerged from winter and then they got busy breeding uh, in the spring. So basically they got up, saw a bunch of acorns and were like, uh, time to fuck. <laughs> And then after they're done fucking, they go and destroy a bunch of lawns and gardens with their burrowing. Also, not to be this girl, but like lawns are really bad for the environment. Are they? Yeah. The amount of water that they use. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, rev- a revisionist history episode about it. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I haven't listened to it. And finally, in other mysteries... Once again, the New York Times is reporting on a unit in the Pentagon that's confirmed that UFOs are real and none of us are concerned about it. (laughs) We just all collectively decided, sure, that seems about right in 2020, that (laughs) that there are a whole bunch of UFOs that people keep seeing and that nobody is talking about it and that nobody is doing anything about it. Honestly, I volunteer as tribute. Just take me. (laughs) yeah it is it would be uh, i just feel like we're not presenting our best selves right now it just doesn't feel like a good time to have company over you know what i mean like we should be i think we should uh, like they should give us a chance to like clean up a little bit and um get our shit together before they come knocking this is a call ahead situation okay this is why you never just drop in send a message and we'll let you know for free aliens so yeah, back in 2017, um, there were several videos leaked showing military encounters with fast-moving objects, including one given the nickname Tic Tac because it looked like a Tic Tac. 
so creative. I know. Whenever I see a Tic Tac, you know what I'm naming that thing? A Tic Tac. <laughs> if I see like a pill, if I see like a tiny, a tiny wiener. <laughs> 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 um, the military since confirmed that the footage that was leaked is real and they declassified a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and then they were like, yeah, we do have like a whole unit in the Pentagon devoted to just investigating these UFOs. Yeah, I watched the X-Files, okay? I know. Yeah, we know. We, we've seen the documentaries, okay? Um, but then, it was, since then, they said that they disbanded this UFO office, but now the New York Times has discovered that they simply changed the name, moved it to a different department, uh, and now they're saying they're going to start declassifying and making some of this stuff public in the coming months. One consultant to the agency said that there were a bunch of unusual discoveries, including items retrieved from, quote, off-world vehicles not made on this earth. Okay, not off-road vehicles. Off-world. like the galactic version of an off-road vehicle. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Don't love this. So, like, yeah, it's going to be someone wearing, like, one of those motorcycle outfits that, like, not not motorcycle, like a motorbike outfit, which mm-hmm. it's basically, like, a full-body jumpsuit with, like, a zipper situation. And then one of those helmets that has, like, the vent in the front. You know oh, what I'm yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, yeah, this man, this astrophysicist guy, this contractor told um, the New York Times in March about these off-world uh, vehicles. He said he's examined some of the materials and concluded, quote, we couldn't make it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the main point of this group is to identify it's not really to identify alien spaceships it is more about if there are things that we don't recognize could it actually be advanced technology from rival nations Mm. you never know sure and then do they wink after they said that (laughs) yep uh just a big fat you could hear you could hear the wetness of their eye I'm mostly just worried about aliens that are hotter than me. Oh yeah, we can't want, have that competition. I've been making too much, too many inroads into my own hotness, frankly, <laughs> for some alien to then come and then I'm gonna have to compete with a hot alien with bigger butt and thicker thicker thighs. No, that's not allowed. Not now. This is not the time for it. I haven't put in all of this work to be upstaged by some hot alien. You will crush them with your thighs. I can and I will. (laughs) And on that note, that is it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we're diving deep into the eye of the storm. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep tide, deep tide, deep tide, deep tide. Well, it's literally another rainy ass day in New York as we record this. And I, for one, am sick of the wetness. 
especially now when, when our ability to basically do anything is pretty much controlled entirely by the weather. Okay. There is a razor thin line between a day being a tolerable day and a day where I want to burn everything to the fucking ground. And the difference is decided by my ability to go for a 10 minute walk in the outdoors without getting absolutely nutted on by the sky. But Miss Mother Nature has had some other ideas lately. She said, guess what? You're going to be depressed and wet, fool. Get used to it. Because Miss Mother Nature talks like Mr. T, <laughs> apparently, when she pities us. Truly, though, it's been hot and sticky and icky and worst of all, stormy as all heck. There have been more thunderstorms. I do feel like there have been more thunderstorms in the past few weeks than I have ever remembered in the last like eight years of living <laughs> in New York. I don't know if it just feels that way or if it genuinely has been. It does feel like there's been more. Yeah, it does. It does feel like that. But every time I hear a violent clap of thunder, I'm always like, I don't even know if that's thunder anymore or if it's like a bomb going off somewhere. Oh, good. Or if it matters. <laughs> great, great. Love that. <laughs> the point is, it's been gloomy and doomy up in this bitch. And I want to complain about summer weather, which is mostly just sweaty and thunderstormy. And it's making my underwear region swampier than Shrek's living room, if I, if I could say so myself. You can. And you know what? You just did. So thank you. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's get into it. First of all, can Mother Nature just, like, give us a break? <laughs> like, she knows we've been going through it. And instead of just making it, like, a little bit nicer so we can withstand the horrors of reality right now, she decides to pee-pee all over our parade. <laughs> Mother Nature is like that one drunk friend that you bring to the bar, but you know she always causes a scene, but you bring her anyway because you were like, you know what, I just really need a good night right now. Can you just hold it together for like a night, one night? And then what does she do? She takes out her left boob so she could get a free shot fireball from the gay bartender. So rude of you to talk about me like I'm not here. <laughs> I'm just kidding, it's absolutely not like me. <laughs> I'm just being nostalgic, really. <laughs> the point is, I'm going to need Mother Nature to get her shit together and stop making things difficult for me. Also, like, April showers bring May flowers. No one ever talked about July and August, okay? No. It was supposed to stop. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's um, gray June skies bring bring wet july thighs wow <laughs> look yeah. at you because my hams are moist that's my point oh i mean it's definitely like a multiple underwear kind of day <laughs> oh god <laughs> like you have to change <laughs> I am. Yeah, I was I was reading one article that was like, everybody is showering way too much. I've been trying to at least take a shower once a day. <laughs> that is my baseline, which is a good baseline, I think. But then I read this article that was like, everybody is showering way too much and you're ruining your skin. So I don't know what is happening. But yeah, the weather is way too disgusting for me not to shower like three times a day. Okay. 
And you know what else is really unfair is the fact that all of these little kids get these amazing sprinklers at the playgrounds. But as an adult without a child, you're not supposed to go to playgrounds. And all I want to do is run through them because that's not a shower, but it's like a, you know, a nice, cool sprinkling. What? It, but no, you could go we, stand in like a fountain. Where is there a fountain around me? Answer me that. Riddle me that. <laughs> I know. A park. Okay? Go, go wade into a lake. Oh, I wish. Yeah, no, everything is disgustingly sweaty. My 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 thighs listen, I don't have a thigh gap, okay? Yet. <laughs> but same, same. I've got my friction defense uh anti-chafing cream right in front of me. Nice. <laughs> Great. But yeah, you you could steam a, a pork bun between my loins. I swear. <laughs> You could stick a raw egg up there and 11 minutes later, it would come out soft boiled. Oh, God. You put a, a raw piece of bread in, in my thighs and then boom, toast. And then before you know it, you got yourself a breakfast. <laughs> Next. Thunderstorms are not calming. I hate when people are like, oh, it's so peaceful to watch the rain. No. I feel like I'm on that boat from that movie whose name I can't remember with the big perfect storm. Jaws? No. Titanic? <laughs> no. Perfect storm. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this is not peaceful. And also we're all going to die. The only way that I can put up with thunderstorms is if I imagine it's Zeus clapping his big, thick, juicy ass cheeks in the sky. And I love that for him. Just every time I hear a clap of thunder, I just know he is throwing it back. I like some storms, but they can be a bit much. No. Also, it's not fun if you can't, like, see the lightning. Any weather situation in New York is just mute when it comes to enjoying it. Because, like, you can't see the sky. There's too many buildings. I mean... I can. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Sitting in your high castle over there. Uh, I, re I do. Uh, I never actually want to like open my blinds because I'm like, what happens if like a cow comes or like a tornado picks up a cow and throws it through my window in the middle of the city? Then you've got free milk, bitch. Yeah. Guess what? Time to get your teeth squeezed. <laughs> you came to the right place because I got some I got some cereal. Oh, but no, you I don't. don't. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so <a> subject. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I always want to whenever it's like storming really bad. I want to open my windows to see it. But also I'm like, what happens if something comes flying through the window? And the only thing separating me in like violent shards of glass is this this shade. Well, then I got to tell you. That shade's not going to do shit for you. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well open yeah. that bad boy up. I might as well. It's true. I don't know. Have you ever heard? Um, I we used to have so many superstitions about storms, and I, I guess, like technically, we grew up in like Twister Alley or whatever. Yeah, but um, I'm not tornadoes here, right? But even like stuff like you can't, you shouldn't take a shower during a, a lightning storm because you what? could get electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> you never heard that no <laughs> yeah which like i've internalized all of this stuff even though i know it probably doesn't make any sense but even I... the other day i was like oh i shouldn't take a shower <laughs> what how would that what how i don't like it would like lightning could strike your house and then like if you're standing in like shallow water or, or, <laughs> 
<laughs> because mm-hmm. also we had we had um, metal bathtubs. No. <laughs> and also like a lightning rod on the roof. So it was basically like a Dr. Frankenstein situation. You know what? There's a Mythbusters about this. <laughs> about taking a shower <gasps> during a lightning storm? It is indeed possible to be struck while showering because lightning can travel through your pipes. See? Vindicated. All right. Fine. This is why I don't even sip water when it's lightning outside because I don't want to die. Next. What else do people say? People are always like, oh, oh, I love that rain smell. Okay. You you love the smell of the earth's literal asshole? Go stick your head in a pot of dirt if you love it so much. Take a, take a big, big fat sniff of mud, you pervert. Good one. <laughs> Burn. Uh, also, whenever it rains, all every dad is like, the plants really needed that. <laughs> yeah, because you forgot to fucking water the plants. <laughs> Why well, am not watering outdoor plants? You're outside. You're wild. That's your your job now is to stay alive. I don't get gardens. See, this is why lawns are bad. Also, what's the point of letting the grass get longer if there's no hot boy next door that I can stare at mowing the lawn from my bedroom window? There's no point. There is not. Might as well have a desert yard. Yeah, I, w- I would rather live in the middle of the Sahara than, than deal with this. Also, controversial opinion, but I don't like my ground to be soggy, okay? I like a nice dry patch of ground, personally. But the worst is when you think that the grass is dry, and it even feels dry when you touch it, but then you sit down, and bam, there's like a deep layer of sogginess that comes up and gets you, it gets you right in the beehole. Ugh. I know exactly what you mean, and I also cannot stand it. Next! When people are like, oh, oh, just take an umbrella. Okay. Like, first of all, you're assuming I'm capable of remembering anything ever. I've actually never remembered to take an umbrella anywhere. You think I'm checking the weather before I leave this house? No. I don't think I've ever used an umbrella twice. (laughs) It's always an impulse (laughs) purchase. It's an impulse purchase that I forget in the back of a cab or under a restaurant table or up my butt when I put it up there and open it. Oh, my God. But also, like, no umbrella has ever worked in the history of umbrellas. Every umbrella I've ever owned is made out of tissue paper and dry twigs. And it it, it crumples the second there's a whisper of wind. That thing is absolutely devastated. We have iPhones and like computers in our pockets, but umbrella technology, I feel like has not advanced since, I don't know, umbrellas were invented. And I just, where's the innovation, you know? Yeah, make it work. I also know that you're going to absolutely hate what I'm about to say, but um, the only real way to stay dry is by wearing rain pants and a raincoat, which I obviously <laughs> own, and wearing rain boots, which I obviously own. But you can't do that in the summer, because it's so fucking hot. Yeah, I'd rather die from overexposure than uh, put on like a poncho. <laughs> <laughs> Next, when my phone does that loud noise to alert me that there's going to be a flash flood. What What do you want me to do with that? What do we do with this information? Where, you want me to seek shelter? You want, you want me to seek high ground? Okay, no. How about that? That's the most useless notification that there is. I remember a time when we didn't get to rely on our phones 
for a flash flood. We, you just knew something was going to happen because all of the birds were acting weird. <laughs> all the horses. <laughs> oh, they started neighing. They started kicking their little feetsies. Like, what is happening? Something's coming. <laughs> anyway. And finally, my biggest concern really is what if there's a tornado and then I end up in some kind of Wizard of Oz situation? I would never last. I, there's no way I don't have the fortitude to deal with that. The second I see a talking scarecrow, I'm jumping in front of a train. Okay. I don't want to live in a world where scarecrows can talk or tin men. Anyway, just to end on a positive note, in, in the now immortal words of Stephanie Germanata, aka Lady Gaga, I'd rather be dry, but at least I'm alive. Rain on me, ah, ah, rain on me, ah, ah. That's it for this week's Deep Dive. Next, we got Philip Picardi on the pod right after this commercial break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My guest complainer today is journalist, podcast host. I mean, he's he's everything. Philip Bacardi, he reinvigorated Teen Vogue, launched them at Condé Nast, was editor-in-chief of Out Magazine, and now he's talking about religion, faith, and spirituality in his new podcast, Unholier Than Thou. Welcome, Philip. Thank you, Matt. Wow, what an announcer voice you have. I know it's my my one true skill and it goes it, it goes to very little use to be honest. Ellen DeGeneres is better watch out. <laughs> for You're coming for reasons. her bag. I know seriously, her time her time is coming. Right, right. Um well, we like to get started by asking everybody what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves. Okay. This was so easy for me. Group fitness classes. I don't want to okay. work out with you. I never want to work out with you. I don't want to go to Barry's. I don't know who Barry is, but fuck her. And <laughs> I don't want to go to SoulCycle. If someone tells me to find my soul while I'm sweating and riding a bike, I'm going to hit them. It's just not my jam. <laughs> I don't like sweating in company. I don't like sweating in mixed company. The only time I sweat in mixed company is during activities that we probably shouldn't talk about on this podcast. So that is the thing that I hate that everyone seems to love and, and was doing before the pandemic hit. Right. I if, if there's one silver lining of a a pandemic, it's that we can sweat in private and not in front of everybody else. Listen, I'm all about sweating in private. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> that is I I strongly agree with every word you spoke. I I hate group fitness classes. I've I've been very public about my hatred of group fitness classes. Very brave. Yeah. Have you done a lot of them or are you like, I I won't even set foot in a, in a Barry's to whoever Barry is? I have done many of them. Um, and <laughs> begrudgingly, be- very begrudgingly, mostly because, you know, when I when I worked in magazines, it was kind of the thing where like a, a publicist or a, a fellow editor would be like, oh, why don't, why don't like we take you to this group fitness experience? 
And mm-hmm. I remember I went to Soul Cycle and my instructor was a man. And basically I was the only guy in the room, which I have no problem with, but he made some snide remark about how I was the man of the class and he increased the intensity on my bike. And I was like, A, that is bizarrely sexist and completely antithetical (laughs) to what I thought I was coming here to do today. And B, go fuck yourself. Like I'm turning this down. Anyways, yes. Yeah, so, so there's there's definitely been that. Other times I've gone to group fitness classes included CrossFit, which I briefly did for a period of time. Um, I am so glad I stopped doing CrossFit. That is a weird sacrilegious cult. Speaking of religion, um, <laughs> oh yeah. But most of the guys have great asses, so it it was semi enjoyable. That is that is the one benefit of going to a group fitness class is that there's a lot of eye candy. You know, you you're stimulated in many ways. Yeah, it's. I understand why it's motivating. Like you're working out next to someone who's hot and you want to be hot. But at the same time, it just kind of caused me to spiral at the end of the day. So anyways, now I, I do my things in private. Uh, love my Peloton app on my television. There you go. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. Hop around your uh, apartment. <laughs> that is right. the only fitness that exists right now. You've also become like a, a a kind of de facto expert on skincare, especially like educating straight men on how to wash their fucking faces and moisturize. Straight men are so helpless. Um, Sorry for any how... straight men who are listening. <laughs> I doubt any are. If I remember, I mean, there there could be. I there, I always like to think that my audience is mostly women and their begrudging boyfriends. Um, Love. Who are... Love that. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we're really preaching to a choir here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so to the captive straight male audience who is listening, I, <laughs> I, I feel like I remember seeing on Twitter this, the like origin of you talking about skincare, which was like maybe a straight friend of yours asked you for something uh, like advice and you sent this like multi-page screed on, on what like step-by-step process of dealing with face skin in particular. Uh Uh-huh. And what did he do? Do you remember what he did? He didn't respond. (laughs) That's right. That's right. He he had the audacity. His name is John Chinuzzi, by the way, for everyone who who wants to find him on Twitter. Yeah. He had the audacity to email me and say, I'm looking to step up my skincare game. Um, What would you recommend? I want to get involved in it. And then I sent him a maybe a thousand word paid like email basically being like, this is exactly what you do. And this is exactly what you need. And here's, and here are different products at different price points in case, you know, I'm overestimating your spending potential and, Mm -hmm. you know, here's how to keep it simple, but also get the most bang for your buck. And weeks go by, weeks go by. (laughs) And this ungrateful heterosexual male literally says nothing. So I screenshotted the whole document for the public's consumption on twitter.com. And he then decides to come out of the closet to say that he was so sorry. And, and I don't know that he ever actually bought any of those products, Matt. (laughs) Which is the true, that is the true, um, disgrace that the truth is, if you will. How dare, how dare, you know? Yeah. You know, the effort that really every gay goes through just to maintain the status quo is really, it goes unappreciated. It does. And you know what I learned from that experience? You can lead a straight man to a hyaluronic acid serum, but you cannot make him apply it day and night. I also, <laughs> yeah, you were, you uh, had a whole Twitter thread of, of movies that you're watching for the first time. 
Um, oh my gosh, yes. That are oh, all God. like classics, like Sister Act. I know, I'm a terrible, I really am a terrible movie gay, Matt. It is a horrible, horrible quality of mine. I, I feel the same way in terms of like a lot of the kind of gay classics that I'm 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 trying to get back around to but I mean like Sister Act that's like a pretty that's a pretty big one to have missed it it truly was it it did start a slight confrontation in my household when it was revealed that I have never seen Sister Act or its iconic sequel Sister Act 2 uh co-starring one Miss Lauren Hill what is even worse about me never seeing Sister Act is that I was invited to Whoopi Goldberg's house for dinner not so long ago, and I sat across from her at her <laughs> own dinner table and did not did not see Sister Act before did before se- being seated across from her. But obviously, she didn't ask questions about which of her movies I've seen. Um, so, anyways, it was she, I, I got out of that one easy, but it was it was re- it was really something. It's also just something to see the range of Whoopi Goldberg. Like she is just incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how to even respond to you saying that you were sitting across from her in her own her own house. Um, we'll just we'll just accept that that is a thing that happened. Uh, she she does. <laughs> She is someone who like truly elevates every movie that she is in. And it's just like, yeah, it's not just a movie anymore. This is a a work of Whoopi Goldberg art. Yeah. It speaks to all of her um, amazing ways that she has contributed culturally in like such a, a multitude of, of formats and, and the multitude of gifts that she has, I think like, Whoopi Goldberg in and of herself is an amalgamation of so many wonderful things. I absolutely agree. I mean, that does that does make me think about something else. I, I wonder about your life, which is that you do get to interact with all of these pretty amazing people. I mean, how do you go to a dinner at Whoopi Goldberg's house and not just like shit your pants the entire time? Um, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I, and I, I'd like to think that I've interacted with my fair share of like rather well-known people, but like still, uh, you know what? I, I can't, I, it's hard for me to answer that question. The best way I can say is that like, w- whether it's been like working for Anna Wintour, who also is an icon and a legend in so many ways, or meeting Whoopi Goldberg or shooting with different celebrities, um, for cover shoots. I think that the most important thing that I've, I've learned is that like, you know, you, you, the more that you try to suck up to someone, the, the worse it's going to go for you. Um, and so people generally speaking, when they are in your company, they want to be in your company because of what you can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And I find that a lot of celebrities are used to being bullshit and catered to a lot. And so they find a different point of view, very refreshing. If they're the good kind of celebrity, they're also the bad kind of celebrity that will sit down across from me and talk about themselves for like hours. And that's happened many times. And usually those people are the less notable celebrities for the record. But the only thing what we wanted was just for us to be good dinner guests, like talk to each other and like engage in conversation and be polite and like enjoy the food. You know, she truly was, that was what was most important to her. No, that makes sense. I mean, in some of my limited capacity of, of interacting with very, very well-known people, it is strange when you know that there are, especially if it's someone who's like, literally a legend where there is like a version of them that exists in everybody's mind 
that is like bigger than the person themselves you know yes. recognizing that you are you are interacting with the actual person and not like the the legend of that person um, yes that's a weird thing to remind yourself because it is like but also you are a legend <laughs> um <laughs> yeah I will say my one uh my my one real experience of of ever um really seeing Anna Anna Winter in 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 the flesh was at a Harry Styles concert very fitting for for me in particular and okay. she came in she came into Madison Square Garden wearing her sunglasses and stayed for a few songs and um kept her sunglasses on the entire time and I um I lived for it I thought it was <laughs> It was absolutely everything I expected. You know, such a commitment to um, just being an icon. It uh, always, it always amazed uh, me, her commitment and her devotion to expressing herself through what she wears and how seriously she takes clothing and how seriously she takes beauty. There was just a lot to learn um, from that whole experience and certainly a lot that I will keep with me forever. Um and, you know, I think the funniest thing that I learned about about working um, for Anna was that she really valued anyone who could make her laugh. And it wasn't about, like, her wanting people to try too hard around her. That certainly wasn't it. Like, she just wanted people who weren't terrified to tell her the truth. And um, and so once I realized that, I, I got to see a different um, side of her that certainly I wish uh, other people got to see more often because it was very entertaining and very, uh, very funny. <laughs> well, I'll add, um, attempting to make her laugh to my, my bucket list, uh, and <laughs> <in, laughs> hope I get that opportunity someday. You're very good at it. I will say. So I, I have no doubt you will succeed. Thank you. Uh, well, I guess just to like temperature check a little bit like how's your quarantine going we're a few months in my quarantine has taken a bizarre turn i am engaged to an emergency medicine physician who was working um in queens uh throughout new york city's pandemic and as you know queens was the epicenter of new york city's pandemic mm -hmm. um and he was recruited uh, by a hospital out here in los angeles uh, really before the pandemic hit. So we had these plans to move to LA and then the pandemic hit. We weren't even sure if we would still be able to move to LA, like what the ethics of all of that were. Long story short, we moved two weeks ago. Um, I have, I moved in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, we had to like identify furniture in the midst of a pandemic. Um, and so all of that has been bizarre. And then of course, like this week, as we're finally settled, um, we learned that uh, Governor Newsom is now like shutting everything back down um, because LA's rates of coronavirus are spiking. So I feel like we are curve chasers right. in a way. I don't know if that's a thing, um, but that's definitely, <laughs> that's definitely what it feels like. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is moving during a pandemic and then there's moving across the country during a pandemic. <laughs> uh, and you really went for it. We really went for it, but it was nice because like, you know how you wake up every morning and you're kind of in your apartment and you kind of can't leave except for like a really hasty walk with your mask on. That's like really unenjoyable because wearing a mask is really difficult anyway, if, especially if you gay walk and you walk kind of fast, like after you had your cold <laughs> right. brew. Um, I, I will say the change of like scenery, just to be being able to look at a different wall has been really, really eye opening and, and mind expanding. So that's been nice. It feels like a, a slight form of 
I don't know, false liberation, I guess. <laughs> no, I absolutely know what you mean. Uh, but I mean, this was genuinely one of my questions, which which was just like, I don't understand how you have the energy that you have. And the fact that <laughs> like you moved across the country two weeks ago in the middle of a pandemic and still have the energy to start a new podcast and like be a delightful person and engage Aww. with the world. Like what motivates you? Oh, God. Uh, Probably what motivates me is a deep fear of failure that's been embedded in me um, because of my issues with my father. Um, Sure, sure, sure. But, 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 you know, just like any other uh, homosexual male in his Mm -hmm. late 20s. Um, No, but, you know, I think more recently, certainly what's motivated me, especially in regards to the podcast and and even with the move, maybe a bit more tangentially, was really, you know, getting laid off in December. Like the story of of Out and the saga of Out last year is quite complicated, but let's just say the writing was very much on the wall from pretty much week one. Uh, but, you know, I was never supposed to be that person in my head. Like kind of, I had this uh, really gross thought that I would be insulated because I was the editor in chief and I was, you know, the, the little wonderkind at Condé Nast and that this would never happen to me. And then in December, sure enough, you know, I realized it was happening and it was happening real soon. Um, And it was just an eye opener for me, to be honest with you, like that prompted a real wholesale kind of evaluation of what was going on in my life and who I spent time with and where I spent my energy. Um, And so it was it was ironic because, you know, I spent the first two months of 2020 not leaving my apartment. Like at one point, my fiance came up to me and said, like, babe, you have to get you have to get off the couch to, to bring it back to what we were just talking to talking. Yeah. About. And then the pandemic hit and we were fo- all forced inside. And I was like, shit, I've been doing this for 60 days already. Like I have been inside since January 1st. Right. And, and I've just had a lot of time to, to really think about what matters and, um, and to like, I guess, think about how I can start making changes. And, you know, the podcast predated um, my getting laid off and it feels oddly more necessary in the midst of a pandemic and also in the midst of our of our current uh, very global civil rights movement um, I think where a lot of people are asking very deep and, and big philosophical questions and a lot of people are reevaluating their role in society and and their complicity um, to a certain degree in society and so it feels like a good time um, to be talking about, faith and I guess a more expansive and inclusive idea uh, of what faith could be. Yeah. Well, I mean, while we're on that topic, what I mean, you've 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 alluded to the the themes of it. But for people who have no idea, what is the kind of idea of the podcast? So the podcast is called Unholier Than Thou. And effectively, it is my journey of trying to rediscover my faith. And I grew up uh, in a Catholic family. Uh, I was raised pretty classic Italian uh, Catholic environment. And I went to Catholic school for the majority of my, um, I guess, educational career. Is that what you call it? And I, I still carry a lot of those scars, you know, from that upbringing with me, whether that's like being told that it would be a sin for me to get married or being told that it would be a sin for me to fall in love. Um, or being sidelined in in Catholic school, or, or really even being sidelined in my own family, and and those things are just like that is just a generational trauma that really does just stay with you, regardless of like how well adjusted you are as an adult. Like those things you you carry with you in in your heart. And what I found was 
I ran away from faith and I ran away from Catholicism. And I was so angry. Like there was, I, I don't know how else to explain it, except like it was kind of like the worst form of daddy issues possible. Like my daddy issues were with Jesus. And so right. I wanted to basically settle the score in a way. Like I was kind of like, Jesus, let's come to the mat and let's, let's hash this shit out, you know? Um, and so I'm trying to identify the contemporary issues of our time, whether that's uh, police brutality and, and police abolition, um, the abolition of the prison industrial complex, um, LGBTQ rights, of course. I'm trying to take those things that I value as part of my life and find out how people of faith have been intersecting with those issues. And you often find that faith is at the root of a lot of justice and, and about finding justice. And that's been really just empowering it. And in a weird and, and maybe earnest way, I, I find it very nourishing to hear from people who just have this idea that justice will be served and that everything will be okay and that they know it deep inside of them. They know it to be true. They know it may not happen in their lifetime, but they know that eventually it will be true. And I, I, I just think to look at our world and to read our headlines and to, and to have that conviction, uh, God, I just think it's so powerful. Yeah. I mean, that's just a small little, a small little <laughs> undertaking, just small <laughs> questions that we're asking. <laughs> Let's move into our last segment. We have a, a, a segment called Elaborate, where um, we have some tweets <laughs> where you expressed your uh, dislike of something, and I'll just have you elaborate on it. Oh, um, God. <laughs> okay. Most of them are, Great. they're totally, they're totally fine. This one I totally relate to. This was the beginning of coronavirus, really, but March 2020. The worst part of being texted right now by someone you don't want to respond to is that you can't just ghost them for three days and say, oh, my God, sorry, I missed this. I've been so busy. Um, this is still true to this day. I still believe this. And it is still a major inconvenience to me and all of my Aries tendencies that I cannot ghost people fairly consistently anymore and hide behind my schedule. Yeah, I <laughs> it is it is. I mean, it's frustrating on both sides because, like, as someone who who expects other people to respond right away, even though I absolutely refuse to, it's like, I know you're not doing anything. <laughs> but I also know that, like, if you expect me to reply, like, you're kidding yourself. I feel like we need to normalize people absolutely just not getting a reply, perhaps for I... several days. You know what? Yes. Can we normalize that, please? Because I don't want to respond to my DMs either. <laughs> well yeah that is that is a um arena that i i just refuse to engage in um but yeah i've been wading back into like swiping on the apps a little bit more and uh, now i'm like okay if you're not gonna reply just say you're over it okay because i know you're not busy Yes. Uh, you know what? That's also another thing. I think that we have to get better at respecting people's boundaries and at hearing the word no. Like, it's just, it has to be okay. Yeah, I I just, I don't know. It's stupid that I have to, like, learn cues rather than just, like, hear, like, okay, you only re replied with one word. We all know what that means, all right? Do we, I'll just, like, I'll fuck off and I'll, <laughs> I'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa. Um, cause listen, I've done my fair share of it. I'm, I'm not above it. Exactly. Anyway, another tweet. I just want like, um, a, really an explanation or, or, um, the info behind it. I truly know nothing about astrology and you, okay. you said that Sagittarius is for sure the worst of the fire signs. 
And I say oh. this as this is the end of the tweet is I say this as a Sagittarian moon. I don't I barely know what any of these words mean. Okay, first of all, you need to have Chani Nicholas on this podcast and she needs to read your chart so that you okay. can learn what it is all about. Um Sagittarians are the worst of the fire signs. This is confirmed. It is a fact. It is a known historical record. They are chaotic. <laughs> they are chaotic uselessly. You know, like Leos and Aries, at least we use our chaos and we make change in the world and, and we disrupt things. Sagittarians are just kind of like that drunk girl at the party who starts like throwing up everywhere, you know? Um, sure. So I do not respect the Sagittarian chaos, um, but I do love to have it as my moon only because it is nice to have like some sort of element of just reckless chaos in your chart. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do, I do stand by that. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate tweets about this. Um, but for all the Sagittarians <laughs> who are listening, I'm sorry that you suck. So yeah, I think, uh, I think you'll be okay, but I, yeah, I, I truly don't know. I just don't know like what a moon means and like what rising means. Uh, okay. We need to get you your chart read. You will live for it. It is basically getting your chart read is basically like signing up to be read for filth for a solid hour um, by someone who exposes <laughs> the worst elements of your. You are. You totally can take it. That's that's yeah. the word on the street. I know I'm a Leo. Um, I <gasps> know. I mean, yes. Are you are you are you also a Leo? I mean, I feel like everybody in entertainment is or, or media is in a Leo in some way. I'm an Aries with a Leo rising. Um, okay. So Leo is a big part of how I present myself to the world. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm, pro- I'm probably becoming more of a Leo. Um, I'm, I'm growing into my, my Leoness, but um, yeah, I, I do think every, every additional fact that I learn about how I am supposed to be astrologically, I'm just like, I was probably better off not knowing that. I, I feel like, <laughs> This has just made made my view of myself worse. So thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I could see that, especially as a Leo. I think that that's extremely accurate. <laughs> anyway, last one. Well, this is there's just like a whole lot of of tweets about how horrible Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg are. Oh my god! So I feel Literally. like we could we could use this as a great way to just kind of say fuck Mark Zuckerberg. Fuck Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Whatever. Rocket launch yourself into space with all of your money. That's all I have to say. Well, on that note, I think we can put our... our <laughs> That's how we're ending on Facebook? <laughs> Fuck. God, I feel okay. like we you know had some highs. I stand by what I said. We had some serious notes. Um, and <laughs> Okay, okay. I feel like, you know, leaving people with the strong fuck Mark Zuckerberg is... <laughs> is is not a bad place to end yeah totally um where can people find you and your work you can find me at pf picardi on twitter and instagram and my podcast is called unholier than thou and you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts amazing well thank you so much uh thank you on the move and the podcast and having a gorgeous fiance uh and (laughs) just everything Thank you so much, Matt. Congratulations on your wonderful podcast. And hopefully we get to see each other soon. All right. We're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easier. Starting with do better white people. Matt, what are you highlighting this week? 
Well, this week, uh, thanks to our producer, Melissa, for bringing uh, this week's issue to our attention. So basically, in the last four months, there has been like a huge surge of harassment against Asian Americans. Guess why? Because of racism over coronavirus. And a new ad campaign uh, debuted last week with the tagline, fight the virus, fight the bias, that is hoping to uh, bring attention to this kind of sharp increase in hostility and harassment against Asian Americans. Because, yeah, like there has been a, a huge surge in the number of racist incidents against Asian Americans in the last just 15 weeks. According to the Anti-Defamation League, uh, there's been surging reports of xenophobic and racist incidents, including Asian-owned stores getting defaced with racist graffiti, video chats getting disrupted by anti-Asian comments, people being beaten or denied entry to businesses, just like a whole bunch of horrible, horrible stuff. And then the fucking president keeps using like a whole bunch of racist terms to describe it, like the Chinese virus, which is A, dumb especially when he's the leader of the country where it's the worst in the world right now. <laughs> so like, okay, look at your fucking self in the mirror, asshole. Two, it's clearly just meant to be inflammatory. Yep. Like there's no way he doesn't know exactly what he's doing. It, it, he's purposefully uh, stoking this fear am amongst people in an attempt to kind of divide us. It's just so like blatant. Absolutely. And also, like, if any of your family members start using that term or anything like that, shut that shit down. Just, like, shut it down real quick because uh, it's not good. Not good. Yeah. If, if you're not getting food from a Chinese restaurant right now because of coronavirus, you're a racist. Okay. And if, if you're purposefully avoiding a Chinese store or, for, or buying, like, Asian-made products, you're a racist. So this this marketing effort, it was created with help from Alan Yang, who is the the writer. He, he won an Emmy for Master of None and he's written on Parks and Rec. And, you know, he helped create this and, and said, like, it's actually a, a rare example of a, a nationwide marketing campaign that is specifically focused on Asian issues. So um, it's kind of like a first in that way. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, you see these messages around and amplify them. And um, like Barry said, shut down people who are, are using these racist remarks. Let's see. Now let's get into the, the TV we've been watching this week. Barry, what you've been watching? Well, I have reached the Ken Burns documentary stage of quarantine, uh, <laughs> which is a stage, a classic, a classic, classic stage. stage. It's um, it's one you get to when you're having a terribly anxious week and you just need something soothing. So we ended up watching an episode of the Ken Burns documentary series on PBS about national parks. Uh huh. And it was just, it was just a joy. It was, uh, it was interesting. It was beautiful. A lot of wonderful landscapes, um, and that that really uh, that's that's what I watched this week. It's pretty much it. <laughs> what about you? That sounds lovely. I've been watching a few things, mainly stuff that you suggested. Ooh. Like I'll be gone in the dark. I started. Mm, how um, many nightmares have you had so far? <laughs> zero nightmares. Wow. Um, thus far, I'm locking my door more more religiously. Yep. But uh, I also watched Moonstruck, the share movie. <gasps> <laughs> Welcome. 
<laughs> I had never seen it. Uh, and yeah, there were so many iconic lines that I just, I didn't realize snap out of it was from, was from Moonstruck. It is such a good movie. Wait, did I, I don't remember if I ever talked about this on the pod. Uh, when I went and saw Moonstruck live, which was a Joe Firestone, uh, Joe Firestone put on a, a live reading of Moonstruck <laughs> featuring Michael Shannon. <laughs> I do remember you saying this to me, at least. It, and um, I appreciate it way more now. I think it was one of the last like live events that I went to or one of the last comedy shows that I went to before quarantine, really. And it was one of the best nights of my life. <laughs> it is such a weird like yeah like darkly funny movie i love it yeah i think joe para was the grandpa in it um <laughs> just i amazing. see that yeah yeah so moonstruck i'll be gone in the dark and then also i wanted to shout out this um short film on hulu called thirsty by a director named nicole delaney um it's only 11 minutes long it's on hulu hear me out the concept is a mosquito bites a guy and then falls in love with him and becomes obsessed. <laughs> the mosquito is voiced by Maya Rudolph. Oh. The guy is Jay Ellis from Insecure. <gasps> He's very hot. He is. Michelle Buteau is in it, which I love. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's like super weird, but I still loved it. It's only 11 minutes long um, and it's on Hulu. Amazing. So I recommend that. What is your non-TV chaser? So my Friday was like, uh, pretty bad. It was just like a very bad day. Uh, and I was just like very anxious. I had a lot of panic attacks. Uh, and it was very hard for me to like soothe myself. And one of the things that happens with my anxiety that we've talked about this before, but like it's very hard for me to fall asleep when I'm having a bad anxiety day because my brain just like won't turn off. And so one of the things I'll do is listen to some sort of sleep story. So I finally I was like, oh, the Harry Styles one. And I listened to it and it was so soothing. <laughs> yeah. And also I was like really proud of him because for some reason they gave him a script I'm assuming he didn't write it, right? Um, I, Yeah, I would assume so. Okay. that And it rhymed, which like would have bothered me a lot, but he performed it in such a way that wasn't like emphasizing every time that the word rhymed, rhymed. So like, I feel like it could have gotten annoying, but instead it was just soothing. And the other plus side is that then he was in every single one of my dreams. Oh, I wish I had that power. I know, right? I mean, anything that happens right before bed is most likely going to end up in my extremely vivid dream. So I was just like with Harry all night and it was absolutely splendid. Uh, a real bummer to wake up. Gotta say. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, every every British person is born with a, a, a like latent Shakespearean ability to deliver rhymed words <laughs> in a in a theatrical way. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised. Yeah, it really did bring me joy and also put me to sleep. Lovely. What about you? What's your chaser this week? Mine is another book because I'm a, a fucking nerd. Oh, yeah. Okay. Give me a swirly. I'm on book four of Dune now, by the way. Just a quick update for people who were um, not interested. I am now on book four of Dune. Oh, I still have. I bought it and I still have not even opened it. That's I've, fine. I truly have bought like 40 books in quarantine <laughs> and I don't know what I was thinking. Um, 
especially considering that I've started reading books that were already on my shelves. <laughs> so, um, which I guess is good. I'm working through them. Anyway, the book I'm re- recommending is, um, it's an oldie called Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. Did you read this? No, I don't think so. I think it was assigned in in like a writing class in college. It's one of those books that's always on like books that writers should read. And like every other book that was assigned to me in college, I just did not read it. <laughs> so um, I finally I finally read it because I've been focusing on like a writing project. And um, I, I I loved it. I mean, Anne Lamott, if, if you're unaware of her, she I mean, she's written novels, but she's also um, like she she has a lot of books in the like self-helpy, like motivational category, which I love. Mm-hmm. I'm all for uh, and this book is sort of like a, a distillation of all of her, like uh, what she teaches her writing classes because she's a writing teacher. Oh, nice. Yeah. I don't know. I just found it like super encouraging and helpful. Um, that was my 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 book wreck of the week. I've read uh, so many books in quarantine. So uh, it's, it's, it's hard <laughs> to just pick some. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hansdale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkleberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. You can leave a voicemail on our rant hotline at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. Is there always be a rainbow hanging over your head? That's my Casey Musgraves impression. You're welcome.